when I look back to my childhood, I was feeling isolated. I was feeling unworthy, right? And rejected and all these nasty things. And that's how I protected myself. So I had to like go back and figure out like, is it really, am I perceiving it that way? Or is that really what happened? This is Grow To Be Free, a self-development podcast that helps ambitious ladies pursue their dreams while finding peace, happiness, and maintaining a thriving mental health. My name is Kiani, and I burnt myself out at age 22. I didn't know my purpose. I hated my job. I thought money was the answer to all my problems, and girl, was I sad. I fought through anxiety and depression by working on myself nonstop. Now, I can honestly say that I am happy, I find peace every single day, and I'm on a journey to discover my best life. Join me as I sit with other ambitious gals who have learned to unlock this new level of life. Think of us as the girlfriends that actually grow with you. We'll share all the tangible tips to help you transform your mindset, mental health, relationships, faith, and finances. Plug in your headphones, get ready to jot down some notes, and let yourself be inspired. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Grow To Be Free podcast. I am here with Krista Feo. She is a mental health support coach and she actually used to be a therapist in the behavioral health field. And so I'm very excited to be talking with her today because she has a very expert background in knowing yourself. And so I'm very excited because she's going to share a little bit about her personal story and how that translates into the work that she does today. And I think this relates a lot to our self-worth conversation because, you know, with self-worth, you actually have to really know yourself. It's not something I've been discovering for myself. And I'm sure Chris has also done that for herself. So Chris, I'll hand it to you to share your story or share anything that you'd like to share with the audience. Okay, thank you, Kiani, for having me. So I won't go into great detail because we could be here for days, but basically when I was a little girl, I always knew I wanted to help people. I know that sounds so cheesy, but I always knew I was going to go to college and I wanted to do counseling or something in um, you know, the public service field or something of that nature. So um, I guess the, the quick version of the story is I... <clears throat> I did go to college. I lived out in Arizona for three years and I declared my major criminal justice. So I actually, I wanted to go into the FBI. That was like my original plan. And then a couple curveballs occurred and I'm like, okay, like obviously it's not in my plan. I got to like kind of figure out like, what is, what is God trying to tell me? Right. So I, I did a bunch of things. I tried to get in probation. I interviewed for some prisons and nothing was working out. I don't understand why, you know, I didn't, I couldn't figure it out at the time. And then somebody dear to me ended up getting incarcerated and I had to go through the whole trial with them and things like that. So it completely like shifted my perspective. And then I was like, okay, I know what I need to do. I want to go into rehabilitation and actually help people. So that fast forward to me working with uh, behavioral health court, we have a behavioral health program here in Pennsylvania and drug court. And so they give basically people that have drug charges or severe mental health issues that have led to crime. They give them a chance to get treatment. So because of my criminal justice, that's kind of how I got introduced to the counseling piece of that. And then that led to me becoming an addiction counselor because I just, I got really good at it and my caseload was growing and people were staying and recovering and doing really good. And so 
that's little by little, I started to get more and like further and further away from the whole criminal justice, you know, other than talking to their POs and things like that to uh, collaborate. I wasn't really in that much anymore from that point. So uh, the counseling thing really took off from there. And then I've, I did it for about 10 years, 11 years. And it just became really, really challenging at a certain point, because when you work for, I don't want to say corporate, but certain businesses, you don't really have a lot of uh, say in the kind of clients you're getting at a certain point. And it becomes very overwhelming when you're dealing with 60, 70 clients and you're one person, right? And they have a lot of different things going on. It's not just mental health. It's the addiction, legal, family, like a lot of things. So pause me if I'm, you know, going on a tangent with this, but no, that's, that's great. Basically, basically how I got to that piece of my life. And then through that, I was going through a lot of personal things, which we can get into later. Yeah. And I then realized the whole true me concept or getting back to our true self that was really pivotal in me, not only staying in my field, because I'm still in it. I wanted to leave many, many different times just because of the weight of helping people and then going through my own struggles. So I had to like stay in it. And the only way I could do that was really working on myself, but not allowing that to affect my work. Mm, yeah. So it took a lot of effort and I, I eventually was able to do it. And that's the core of why I started my coaching business. Oh, okay. So it's inspired Great. by all of that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So I, I, I love how you gave like that kind of like the full journey of how, where, how you got to where you are today, because that's always really important to to talk about. So tell me a little bit more about that transition of you going from one field to another. And you, you, you hit on this a little bit, you touched on it a little bit, just kind of like the, the pivotal moment of your life of now realizing that you have to do something new and now you have to actually work on yourself in order to get there. So walk us through that a little bit more in depth. Like what was going on in your life? What was the thought process? You know, how did you think during those times? Yeah, so the ironic part was I thought I was okay. And so it wasn't very transparent at first that I needed to work on myself. And I guess it's easy to lose sight of that when you're so immersed in other people's, you know, problems and things that my clients were dealing with. And then so over time, like I started noticing very gradual things. Um, I was having like really bad nightmares. Right. And then so a, a lot of it was just not being able to really uh be good at self-care right so i would bring a lot of their stuff home and then the nightmares led to me not getting good sleep and then i'd get up in the morning and go to work but like i had no routine you know and then you're just working eight hours straight story after story negative thing after negative thing um i come home and all i want to do is sleep so that led to my depression right um and just like not taking care of myself and i would do little things i'd go to the gym here and there but i was just like hanging on by a thread and when all that started to kind of take a toll, then, you know, when you have like negative uh, thinking or you're not taking care of yourself, then I was just making mistakes. Like anything I could grab on to just have some kind of like fun or just not have to work on, like, why would I come home and want to work on myself after? <laughs> right. It just, it just was not a priority. I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, so <clears throat> I'm not in recovery per se, but just my drinking habits were getting worse. Um just my relationship patterns, you know, like nothing was healthy. And then anybody I brought in my life, I was kind of just sabotaging all of it. Mm. You know, they'd come in and then I'd be like, 
I don't have time for this or it's, it's you, you know, and I would never look in inward. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem because when I realized I started to cut people off, hold grudges, um, just not have a strong circle of empowering people. Not that everybody in my life was negative, but I was gravitating towards people who wanted to have fun. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like in that same headspace as me. And you don't need that when you need help. So yeah. at that point I started my spiritual journey and kind of started cleaning, clean housing, I guess is the right term. Yeah. You know, like being okay with certain people being in my life for just that season. Now it's time for me to grow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I feel I like started- this is so typical. Sorry to interrupt, but like, I just want to hit on like how common this is. Like, I know you mentioned like, oh, that, that might sound crazy, but I honestly feel like this is such a common thing. Like I, I really relate to that story as well of like just being burnt out and, you know, yeah. maybe your work or whatever it is that's really burning you out, stressing you out is now taking over your life in the sense of you can't be your full self with other people. You can't be your full self at home. Like you're just completely like depleted of any resource that you really have to be who you are. And I feel like a lot, like how you mentioned that you didn't even know it at the time. You didn't even know that it was a problem or that there was something going on. And, you know, I think that kind of touches on like one of, one of the questions I have for you is like, how can somebody start to realize that they're in a place where they need help? Like, how did you start to like, really let that sink in for yourself? Um, I could say it started with me disappointing other people, but it was like more so me disappointing myself. Like I knew I was capable of more, you know, and it wasn't who I, I was, I don't want to say the word destined to be, but I knew it wasn't like my potential, if that makes sense. And so I, part of being a mentor or a coach or a therapist is kind of leading by example. Like you don't want to be living a messy lifestyle and then like telling everybody else how to live their life. So, and this wasn't the whole course of like my career. I wasn't just like, you know, broken or unhealed, but it was just these significant moments that stood out to me, like definitely in the beginning of it. Right. And then as I was like, growing and learning myself like I was all invested like that's all I did was work but then there was like this middle you know piece of this chunk of time where I went through some life like things were happening that I had no control over and then I went back to that what what I knew worked for me at the time which the drinking relation like all these unhealthy behaviors and then it was like fine and then I'm like okay like I need to commit to actually like a routine right not just invest in that routine when I'm not feeling good. It has to be a lifestyle. Like I always need somebody I can count on and go to. I have to start going to church. I want to start like reading positive things. I don't want to be stuck on the TV watching unhealthy stuff. Like there was just all these things I wanted to keep going, you know, and keep as part of my routine so that I wouldn't end up in the same place that I was in already, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's definitely such a good point. I'm I'm a big proponent of routines and habits and building those because we have habits no matter what, <laughs> whether it be good or bad. If we don't even know that we have habits, like we have habits and they're probably not yeah. good. So, yeah. but, and that's why I feel like habit or building habits or building routines can be a little bit challenging for people because they are not aware of how to start building those. So for you, how did you start to build habits for yourself and build that routine? And how did you stay consistent? A lot of it, Honestly, a lo- besides the work piece, a lot of it was being triggered by relationships, um, like one with my father, um, just different like people that were important. And I just wasn't pleased with where the relationship was at. Right. And so 
instead of continuing to hold grudges, like that was some of the big work I had to just like, I either want them in my life or I don't. And then how am I going to make it better? So just taking that step. Cause, and it was very humbling cause I was always very stubborn and I don't know. I just felt like if I moved on, that was me doing the right thing. And really like, you just got to like put yourself in other people's shoes sometimes and understand like not everything's about you. So that was huge for me. Like, un like growing to understand other people's like pain and why, why our relationship is where it's at. You know, it's not all about me. So that was like a big piece. And then I think just holding myself accountable and then the right people in my life were doing that too. Like checking in on me, making sure that I went to my, you know, church services and, like genuinely cared about how I was doing, you know, and I never used to let people in. And I actually, I ended up watching that Brene Brown Ted talk that's out there and she hits on vulnerability and that was like, not me. So I was expecting all my clients to share parts of them and I just wouldn't open up. And I, it finally took me to, I was probably 27. Um, after I had went through a lot of stuff in that like five year gap <clears throat> and I, I heard her Ted talk and I was like, Oh my goodness. I'm a therapist. I want people to like share their lives with me and I don't open up about anything. Wow. Yeah. And then, yeah, 27 was, I think my year I hit what you would call like a rock bottom, I guess. Mm -hmm. I like, I literally hated myself. Like it's crazy to say that out loud, but it's just my truth. I, I, I don't want to say disgusted, but like, I didn't like who I was and I knew that I wasn't that person before. Yeah. So like, I took the time to realize like, at what point did it change? What, what happened? Yeah. And then I was able to like journal and like figure it out. And it was dark and very ugly. Um, you know, I had to confront some things with my parents and just stuff that you don't want to talk about. It's just not fun. Mm. And it's very painful, but there was light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. you know? Yeah. Just realizing when you're vulnerable that people actually, they care and they listen. Yeah. No, you had on some very good points there about vulnerability, about tapping into your environment, the people around you is, is super important in order to facilitate growth. It could either help you or harm you in the end. So that's, Seriously. that is so true. And then I kind of want to hit on what you said about when you felt like you hated yourself, like, how did you, how did you kind of come to that realization? Or, you know, I, you talk a lot about wanting to, or during that time, not knowing who you were. And so how, yeah. Like once you started to realize you were in that mind state, how did you start to to get out of that? Like, did you start to change your mindset around yourself or did you start to look at yourself in the mirror differently? Did you say affirmations? Like, how did you start to get to know yourself and start to love yourself? Yeah, so it was definitely not going to other places or people for my validation, I guess. Like, I think we do that a lot, whether you go online, right, or um, like dating, just different things to find ways to hear that you're beautiful or, you know, that everything's okay when really it's not. Like, you just you gravitate towards things that fill you up, and some of that's not always positive, right? So I think for me, <clears throat> accepting that, you know, like I wasn't happy with decisions that I was making. And then really allowing like positivity, like people in my life that I knew would stay. Right. And then being okay with not dating. Like I'm going to stay single and I don't, I don't want to use people or make them feel how I feel when I'm not in a good, in a good headspace. Yeah. So 
that and that's that's hard to do especially like i'm very independent as it is so when you take time sometimes to heal it means like kind of like stripping yourself of all the distractions and that makes you be in your head right like you have to deal with you at that point and that's really hard to do it really is and i feel like we're at a point where a lot of people could really use that and it's really hard to walk that out when you don't have somebody to say like, I did that. And like, here's what my journey looked like. Mm. Um, so that's kind of the inspiration on like my whole, my whole concept mm. behind and my coaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You said something just now about it's hard to do it when you don't have somebody in your corner teaching you or, you know, showing them, showing you that like, this is my journey. So did you have anybody in, in your life at the time that could help you out? Yeah, I had, so spirituality and religion and all that doesn't work for everybody. And I get that, but there was two people really close to me that were thriving. It seemed like they had so much joy and things were getting better really quickly. So that's what I gravitated towards. And then, so that for me worked. And my mentor was a pastor. They were actually, there were a couple, uh, Pastor Teresa, her name was, and her husband, Dave. And so I, I mostly gravitated towards her. And that was scary because I always, I went to a Catholic high school and stuff. So my, my whole view of religion and things, like it was completely not what it is now. It was completely different. If you asked me in high school, college, like, I'd be like, nope, not having it. <laughs> but as I got older and it was my choice to learn more and understand, like, what religion I wanted to follow and things like that, it was, it was actually enjoyable, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I asked questions and they were very supportive. They taught me a lot of different things and that worked for me. She related to me a lot. I thought that pastors were like, you couldn't tell them, like, anything negative or they would just judge you. Like that was my, <laughs> but she's been through a lot and that's, so her journey, you know, religion and spirituality helped her. But when I told her my story, she was the first person I opened up to besides my mom, things I was just harboring for so long. And she, like, I, I, till this day, I can remember her face. I'm like, she's like not judging me, you know? And a lot, she kept saying like, you know, I've been through that or I went through that, you know? And I just, I would have never guessed that. So just having that like understanding, you know, was like, wow, I'm not alone. Like somebody actually understands me. Yeah. And it was uh, like a, like kind of a key to my freedom. Like I don't have to be in my head all the time. Like it's a very dark place to be, especially when you don't want to be here anymore. You know, mm. like that was pivotal when I started to have those thoughts. Like I was like, I really need to talk to somebody at this point. I don't care what they think about me. <laughs> um, so I could see why people feel like, it's not worth sharing, you know? Yeah. And then by that point it's too late. So that's a scary place to be. Yeah, absolutely. And so you started to, did you start to realize these kind of like suicidal thoughts while you were a therapist during that time? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. 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 Do you feel like that's the reason why you, you actually went to somebody to get help? It's because you, you kind of knew the industry and you know things that you should do um yes and then part of me it's just really crazy how our brains work i part of me thought like nobody would believe me i don't know and i don't know if that's common for a lot of people that think like that but and me and i think a lot was because i was supposed to be this like perfect person i don't know that that if i said that they would just think that i'm like oh she's fine um 
but yeah, I, I felt it and it scared me. It was really scary because I had never felt like that before. Yeah. So then I, I shared it with my mom who was actually very supportive and then my pastor. And then I just, I walked it out, you know, they were super supportive. But the point is like, I couldn't do it alone. And I think so many people are in that place where like, they feel like they don't have another option. Like, you know what? I'm done. Like, I just don't want anybody in my life. I, and I get that because I was almost there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not everyone has those people that actually will help. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's that. And, and I also think like in our heads too, we kind of make up a story sometimes of like, nobody cares or nobody, nobody uh, would listen to me. Nobody would believe me. Like, I feel like that's a, I feel like these are all common thoughts and like, I'm also a person of faith. So I, I believe that that's just the devil lying to you and lying and telling you things that, that aren't true, but making you believe it and like bringing things up in your life to kind of show evidence of that. And so a lot of the times, like we will, we will, look at the relationships we have like oh this person said this so therefore like this is true or you know this person told me this or called me this and like therefore that must be true and that really impacts our identity and and how we value ourselves and so i i I wonder if you have any thoughts on this of you know how how other people or you know things that people say can really impact how you see yourself yeah, I think I still even deal with that now because I'm so, in my opinion, I feel like I'm one of the younger, more successful people in my, I do have a full-time job. So in my company now, I'm young, I have a lot of experience and I deal with that a lot with people like saying things or even their facial, you know, just because like, a, it's this weird, like I'm older than you or I'm in this uh-huh. position, so but that's how I would relate it in like the corporate setting now. And I'm sure a lot of other people that if you're a professional, you're really good at what you do. You get lots of promotions. Like people feel threatened by that, especially people that feel like I've been here longer. Um, but it's my work ethic. That's why it's not just cause you know, so that's how I would relate to that in the corporate place. Um, but throughout my life, I was always, I feel like I'm naturally sensitive and I'm a a December baby, a Sagittarius. And like, people always say like, you can dish it, but you can't take it. And we really are like the most (laughs) sensitive human beings ever. But it got a lot, my thin, my uh, skin got a lot thicker because of the clients that I I work with drug court and, you know, a lot of um, just really rough people. Like my population is very tough. And so have I cried a few times at work in front of them? Absolutely. But it built me up to this, like, okay, I can't be so sensitive. Don't take things personal. And that's when I, I learned, like, a lot of people that are hurt, they hurt. They don't know how to um, cope with that. So they kind of project it. And you're the, I'm, I see some of them more than I see my own family, right? So it's almost like you become a punching bag. But then I had to learn, like, if they say something really negative and I'm in a bad space, right? Like I became really self-aware to talk to my peers and stop harboring because that's all I did for so long. So like, okay, yes, I'm acknowledging I'm upset. They they said this about me. They called me this. I've been cursed out a couple times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, when you're in that space, they don't know where you're at at that moment in your life. Um, and I've had that happen. Like I could barely get into work today and I'm struggling with something. And then you just happen to call me a whatever. 
you know, now I'm like double guess, like guessing, rethinking why I'm here. Like I'm already about to quit. And then you say that. So it's just like, but yes, I had to just take the time to become very self-aware and know that a lot of things that people say and what they think about you is a projection of how they feel about themselves. And as long as you can remember that, <laughs> it kind of starts ping-ponging. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's a good, that's a good reminder. And I, it, it's so true too. It's just, you, you never really know what somebody else is going through. And I think a part of that is just learning to have compassion, you know, yes. and I, I also think too, and you can, you can chime in on this if you think it's true as well, is that like, we can only have compassion for others if we have compassion for ourselves. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. What has that experience been like for you? Cause it sounds like you had a, you have been able to have compassion for others and realize, you know, that's just them. And you know, that a lot of that way you can have that protection, that thick skin to let things ping pong off of you. But how did you start to have compassion for yourself? Uh, well, part of that, all of it was my, my true self journey, call it. Um, the moment I, I don't, I don't want to say stop caring, but the moment you don't allow things like that to affect you the same way is the moment you realize like, I'm confident in who I am. I love myself. So it doesn't matter what you say, what you think, how you feel like I'm okay with me. And I wasn't always like that. So that's when I it clicked. Like I I'm in a great place finally, where I, I love myself so much that you can hate me indefinitely. And it just wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me if you're not somebody that's supposed to be in my circle. Mm -hmm. So I just don't allow people that are toxic like that to stay in my life. You know, mm. I can have compassion for you. Uh, I can be understanding and things like that, but I do you don't have to have access to my life. Mm. And so that's part of the healing, you know, it's not really about like how many people it's like who you have and what they're contributing to your life. And that's, that's why my circle is very small now and I'm okay mm. with it. Before, I would have been like, what's wrong with me? How come I only have two friends? <laughs> but they're quality friends, you know? Yeah. I don't need a whole tribe. So that's yeah. that's my answer for that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It sounds like the, the top two things that really helped you get out of that slump and start to love yourself were being in the right environment with the right people, mm -hmm. you know, getting the, the negative people or the people who weren't helping you out. And then secondly, like just building good routines and good habits to, to get yourself into a good, um, thought pattern. Would you say those are the, the things? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Um, the biggest is my perspective, I think too. And that's a lot of my courses centered around that. I call it like stinking thinking. And I work with my clients on that all the time because our thinking is based off of our our perceived vision of something or how, like if we experience something a certain way, then we're going to live according to what our experience was. Right. And I don't, I think that that could affect you if you don't heal from some of those things, if it's trauma or your pain um, and, and operate out of really ugly emotion all the time, anger, resentment. And I, I didn't want to feel like that anymore. So when they say like, you know, don't just keep moving forward. That's all great. But sometimes you really have to slow it down and like make amends, whether it's with yourself, other people. And that's the biggest part of my course is teaching you how to do that and accepting that you have to do that in order to really get to where you want to go. 
So, yeah, I think now there was a part of my heart that was so cold and just, it was really broken, right? And instead of showing that, I was like masking it with like, I don't need you. I don't want you. I don't. But when I look back to my childhood, I was feeling isolated. I was feeling unworthy, right? And rejected and all these nasty things. And that's how I protected myself. So I had to like go back and figure out like, is it really, am I perceiving it that way? Or is that really what happened? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So now I can say my perspective around all of that changed. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like a little orphan or anything like that anymore. And I think I did at one point. So Mm -hmm. now did you, that journey that you just described of, going back and realizing the the memory that you had, actually the reality was different. Did you have somebody help you walk through that journey or did you walk through it yourself or what did that look like? Yeah, I had my pastors, another, another couple that is dear to me. So like two different perspectives, my, definitely my mom, cause she's very helpful and supportive and has gone through a lot of the things that I've been through. I didn't know until my adult years, actually, because I wasn't open to tell her. And when I was honest about certain things, she's like, I went through that, too. You know, we're a lot a light, more alike than I thought. Um, so that definitely helped, like just having a strong parent or and a lot of people won't use their parents or don't have, you know, the means to do that. So I always just find other people that like can relate, I guess. Not even that like, you don't have to have the same story as me, but if you're willing to listen and not judge me and give me some positive, you know, feedback, then I can invite you in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Are you enjoying this episode as much as I am? Girl, I hope so. If you're getting anything positive from this podcast, I would love it if you left a review and shared it with a friend you feel like needs to hear it. I know you hear this a lot, but this is really the only way other people can benefit and grow from this information as well. If you listen to this podcast, I'm assuming you have a desire for the world to be in a better place. And what better way to do that than by spreading awareness of self-development to help each person grow and be better a little more each day. And you might be asking, well, what's in it for you? Well, I'll shout you out on a future episode if you leave a review. Plus, at that point, we're pretty much friends. And the best part, it's completely free. So thank you so much for being a listener of Grow To Be Free. It really means the world to me. And now, back to the episode. What's your top uh, tip or tips that you would give somebody to find the right people in their life? That's a great question. I would say, so for me, like I said, it was definitely church, but I know everyone's not going to find that or not be opposed to going to a church. Right. But I also found like my mom connected me to certain people. She's like, Hey, like this person helped me out. Right. So networking is huge. Uh, not, not everyone, your story is not safe with everybody. So I'm sure you can like think on your, you know, five fingertips of like five, hopefully people that are outside of your family that are positive or just good or have been through things, just like strong individuals. And so I don't withhold that. If I know like, Hey, I can't help you, but I know this person that can like that kind of connecting. And I think that that's what helped me because I, I listened to her. I reached out to those people and they have been really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have done it. A lot of the work without them. Yeah. 
No, that's awesome. And it's so huge. Like I I struggled with the vulnerability thing as well. In fact, I still do to this day. It's something I'm always like working on. Um, I think for a lot of people who just kind of been through a lot and like have, uh, I don't know, kind of like trust issues with people. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is super Mm -hmm. common of like, just, okay, well, you know, this person doesn't care. This person doesn't care. Like that's just the story of the life, you know, uh, people not caring about what I have to say or, or anything. So why do I, why do I even need to share anything? You know, that's kind of like the the thought process all the time, at least for me, that's, that's my journey and something that I've I've overcome. Um, so it sounds like you've been through that too. So, when you were going through that vulnerability journey and you watched that Brene Brown video, you know, what, what was the, what was the process like for you to just really start to open up? Like, how did you start to trust people more? Like, how did you start to do that? I personally wrote a lot and that felt safe for me because not everyone had access to my writing. So, I journaled a lot and it sounds so cliche. People are just like, write your thoughts. But for me, I was so angry that like, if I would have shared it (laughs) with a person, it would have not been helpful to me at all. (laughs) It would have just came out in complete anger. So I felt like writing it down, got it out of me, if that makes sense. And then I took the steps to write letters to a few people that really, really, really hurt me Mm. uh, because I just couldn't face face them. I was just too hurt. Mm. So... I would say writing for me and not everyone receives, like I had no expectations of what they, how they would respond or I did, I just wanted to do it for me. Right. So that was really big. And then like exactly what you said, like you have, you know, other trust issues and now it's still a struggle. Like I didn't want to give those people the benefit of ruining my future relationships just because we had a bad one. So I was like, I'm just going to let them know how I feel. I can forgive them within myself, you know, and our relationship doesn't have to look the same and people confuse forgiveness with, I got to be like friends with them again or, you know, and it's not about that. For me, I was so tired of feeling angry and depressed that the moment I was like, okay, I'm going to like, I'll heal. I'll forgive them for me, but we we won't connect again. Or maybe it's going to look different, but I'm doing it for me. They need to know how I feel. And that was huge because part of Brene's talks about that. Like she says, we're the most addicted, obese and in debt nation out of any other country. And it's a lot when she did her studies, people that had all those issues, a common pattern was not connecting and having issues and not like being able to open up about them. Right. So their behavior was a direct result of harboring all of that. (laughs) And that's what they did to escape their reality. You know, spend a lot of money, uh, gamble, drink, do drugs and not connect with people. And then I'm like, all my clients, that relates to every single one of them. (laughs) And so the more I had them understand, like, you know, you have to find a safe person. It's not going to be everybody or a safe place. If it's in your room writing, if it's praying, like just get it out. And then the minute you're able to do that, you can trust the process again, start trusting it because it's going to work. Something's going to shift. Your thinking's going to shift. Your heart will adjust. It's going to happen. That's just, I'm confident because it happened with me. So. Ooh, girl. Amen to that. I love everything (laughs) that you just said right now, Um, especially about journaling, because that's also something that's really helped me because I felt the Mm -hmm. same way. I felt like 
I had so much anger, so much emotion, like sadness, like stuff that if you told somebody it would not make sense, they'd be like, oh, like you could like, they can't help you. (laughs) So yeah, journaling for me, like, and, and this is something that a lot of people kind of reach out to me on and say like, well, I, I don't really, like, I don't feel comfortable doing this or like, I don't really like if I write stuff down, it's going to be all like angry or, you know, it's not going to be good. And like, I get it. I get, and it should be like, that's honestly how it should be because you have a lot of thoughts and a lot of emotions that need to spill out and you need to get it out somehow. So it's totally okay. Like I, I remember my first journal entries, actually probably my whole book, like the whole the whole thing, all the pages were just like nasty stuff (laughs) written down, but it doesn't matter. You don't have to look at it ever again. And you don't ever have to like think about it again. The point is, is that you actually got it out of you. And so that way you can kind of think clearer. Like I almost feel like it's like a toxic thing that's like stuck in you. Like how you're saying harboring it. It's like a toxic poison inside your body. That's just like, taking you're sucking the life out of you and you're not yourself i feel like that's just like is that's part of it where it's like you have all these toxic thoughts and emotions that are just clouding who you really are as a person and you need to get those out so that way you can just be you you can be free Mm -hmm. yeah and i will say i'm not always the best journaler but i love poetry that i don't know why i forgot to say that but sometimes like i actually enjoy poetry rhyming words metaphors all these things so a lot of I have tons of them in my phone and people say all the time, like, you need to write a book. (laughs) But part of that, if I wasn't writing a letter journaling, I was just writing poetry until, and I'd be like sobbing and, you know, ugly tears and all this stuff. But then I'd, I'd literally would not stop until I felt some kind of something shift in my emotion. And you know, the pattern is like a lot of them are very dark, but they're my, like, I keep them there for me. And then you'll see like this, like breakthrough, where it starts getting like super, super joyful. And I, I don't like reading them now. Like I try not to, but um, it was definitely the poetry and then drawing sometimes. If I had no words, I would draw a lot because I get that from my mom. She's like a painter. And so it's funny. She'd be in her room painting, you know, in Arizona and I would be here writing, you know, just sketching things. And I have a couple books that I just completely have. <laughs> I can't draw on them anymore. They're kind of cool. But I feel all of us, and that's also one of my keys, is, like, we all have coping skills that, you know, we just don't activate. It's like, oh, I'm a bad singer. I, don't, I can't draw. I can't write. But emotion brings creativity. It just does. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what I would say. Like, just people have to find what gives them joy and then mm-hmm. do it that way. Like, let it out that way. Yeah. There's that piece of it. And I think it's also too, like, letting go of the results of the thing. Like, you're not doing it for performance purposes. You're not doing it to publish it. You're not <laughs> doing it for anything no. that anybody even has to see. You're doing it for yourself. Nope. And I feel like that's a hurdle for some people. Like, doing something for myself. Like, why? <laughs> you know, especially when you're yeah. ambitious and you're busy all the time. You're like, why am I going to spend time doing this? Like it's, this feels like a waste of time. Like how, how do you overstep that thought process hurdle? Uh, just realizing you're going to get a revelation. If you're human, you will. Cause that's just how life works. You know, I, it might not feel like anything's happening in the moment, but this light bulb sometimes goes off. Right. Like, and I can't even explain it. People just have to do it. 
you know, if you're writing and feeling some kind of way, that for me, always it allows me to like piece things together or just have a different perspective. And the healthier your mind becomes, the easier it is to do that. So I'll go from really pissed off and angry. Something's all about me. Like, why me, 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 me? And then my revelation is like, did I ever stop to think that like that person, you know, has been through this or they're going through this right now? And it takes that, it brings a humility back to life, right? Where you're able to see from their perspective or change yours. So it's just mind blowing what, what we're capable of if you just take time by yourself to walk all that out. And people, we just don't make time and we don't want to do it, you know? And so I feel like if, if it's kind of a dark place for people now to do that, then they need to be like reading some other person's journey that did it or another self-help book or something. Because the more positive you put in your brain, you're channeling all that, you know? Yes. And it's eventually going to, you're going to have some kind of breakthrough. That's what I call it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Girl, oh, you hit on so many good points there. For the last four years, I personally have been using journaling as a healing practice, and it's literally transformed my life. It's one of the key ways I've been able to work through my anxiety, get myself out of depression, and really begin to thrive in life. If you're looking to get into journaling or you are in need of a new one, the Ambitious Peace journals are now available on Amazon. For those of you who don't know, these are super cute aesthetic journals with a different encouraging, motivational, and insightful quote on every single page. They're small enough to fit in a purse, they're college ruled, and have 150 pages of space to free write, jot down your life plan, or to process those really tough thoughts and emotions. If you have been watching this on YouTube or Spotify, you'll be able to see what they look like, but I will describe them for everybody, so don't worry. One is this monochromatic chocolate wave design. The second one is another monochromatic look, but it's like a pink, light pink painting on canvas. And the last one is a light blue white square geometric pattern that is very satisfying to the eye. My favorite one happens to be the chocolate one, but I'm looking forward to hearing which one is your favorite. So let me know in the comments or in your reviews. Again, you can find these on Amazon. I will link the Amazon link in the description of this show. And without further ado, let's get back to the episode. Oh, so you mentioned something about books. What are the top books that you would recommend somebody to um, start to change their mindset and get more positive in? So there's the cliche one, but I like it. The I'm a Badass by, is it Jessica? I think her name is. Yeah, Jen Sincero. Sincero, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that one I definitely enjoyed. I... I read the Bible a lot, like not front to back. I haven't, um, that's my goal to like finish it one day. <laughs> but I'll pick out certain scriptures that just really inspire me. And I have a few others like throughout the course of my uh, experience that clients have given me like codependency books and just different things like that. Um, but I don't know all the names off the top of my head, but I definitely, I like reading like a lot of like inspiring things. Yeah. No, I, both of those are great. <laughs> I love those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this has been such a great conversation. I really have loved all of this. I feel like you have so much value to share. And I love how a lot of the 
like you say you're a therapist, but like everything that you shared was just from your prior experience, which I love. I think that's great. I think, I think what you said earlier about like, since you're a coach, since you were a therapist and you have to help people, you have to also be like living in that space. Yeah. Like you also have to grow yourself and like focus on the things that you're recommending to other people. And I feel like even if somebody's not a coach, even if somebody's not a therapist, or they're not even in the industry of helping others. I think there's still motivation to be able to work on yourself because I mean, think of just the other people in your life. Like even if you just have one person in your life who is a friend, like you need to support that friend, right? So you need to be able to get yourself through whatever it is that you're going through and have something to share with that other person. Would you agree? Yes. Yes, definitely. It's, I feel like a con it's always going to be a journey, you know, to try and be a better person and learn something new. And I've learned now that if I'm like stagnant and not growing, that that doesn't work for me. So mm-hmm. when you're in a field like this, and it's not just behavioral health, but any, any coach or person where people come to you for something, you have to be full, you know? Because if not, it's just like you're constantly just like handing out, giving out. And then I can't tell you how many times I just came home and I would sleep for like 12 hours. Like I had nothing left in me for anybody. Um, and at the time, I I was in a relationship and I just like, listen, don't take it personal. But if I come home and just shut the door, like I don't even want to know how your day is. I don't want. And that's like so not healthy, you know. So I think it's important to just uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not always happy and in a great mood, but. I feel like I'm always full, mm-hmm. you know, and if I start to feel like I'm not, then I'm now I'm aware that it's now I can, you know, I need that routine or something's missing. Mm-hmm. And then I go back to my little toolbox and I just, you know, I just start doing all the good things that work. I start doing them again. That's great. Excellent. Well, yeah. this is, yeah, this has been such a great conversation. Um yeah. Is there anything, any final words that you want to share with the listeners before we talk about where people can find you and how they can get your online course? Any final words? I will just add that. Yeah. Being, getting back to your true self is a real concept and yeah, if people are interested, it's really worthwhile to tap into it because, yeah, it's there. You know, I, I always, like, share the quote. It's on my webpage, Emily McDowell, and she says, like, before the world got its hands on you, like, you were that person that you're trying to become now. So, like, let's get back to it. Mm-hmm. So, and life will do that. Like, we go through a lot of things. <laughs> so, I just always remember she's there. She's right here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, that's what I would say. It's it sounds really, you know, silly, but I'm really passionate about it. That's so great. thank you for making time. <laughs> yeah, thank you for making time. So how can we get a hold of this True Me course? I'm really excited about it. You said it's launching on February 14th, which is Valentine's Day. So tell us a little bit about that. So I have a website that has all my services. The online course is part of that. And that's uh, www.truemes.com. I wanted to have like, I call it a little, a mini brand with big value. So I always have like hashtag true, not true me, but true me's like a little community of people that are getting back to 
their true self. So it's truemes.com. And then it's on my social media platforms. If you Google Crystal DeFeo, like all that pops up. But anyway, the course itself, I'm going to, that all that stuff will go live. I have a separate website for that, for registration. And it's six weeks. You'll never be able to get back, but it's, it's valuable. And every single concept in there, I took from my personal journey and six weeks doesn't sound like a long time, but it's, it's just the start of a big journey. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And, um, I think people should really get a hold of this course and just at least reach out to you for some coaching or something, because there is so much that you can talk about from your own personal experience. That is just kind of like that, that positive environment that we were talking about today. Like if you don't have somebody in your life that is able to make you, make you feel like there's somebody who's been through something with you, a positive person who could help you through that. Like definitely reach out to somebody, reach out to Crystal, reach out to me, reach out to anybody that you find, that you f- would think that they would be positive and welcoming. There's plenty of people out there and even people that you might not even think of. So yeah, mm-hmm. if you don't have anybody in your life, like get this course, you know, go check out Crystal on her website, truemes.com. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I have to say. But other than that, um, I, you know, like I mentioned before, I'm a person of faith. So I do like to pray for my guests at the end of the episode. So I'd love to pray oh, for you. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. I'd love that. All right. So dear heavenly father, I thank you so much for this day. God, thank you so much for crystal and just the amazing plan and journey that you put her on. It is so special to see somebody on a journey of growth and development and learning how to be the best version of herself for the purpose of being the best version for other people and helping them to be the best versions of ourselves. Lord, we are not selfish people or we try not to be, but working on ourselves is something that you have called us to do and place in our lives to be able to impact others around us and to create uh, a better environment for those um, who are struggling and it's ultimately create a better world. So thank you so much for Crystal and the work that she does. I pray for a tremendous blessing upon her work. I pray for this, this online course launch that it is, um, a huge success. Lord, bring in all of the, all of the people who need this help and, and bless her financially because of it. And I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Well, thank you, Crystal.